Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the Sherlock's podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Hello, I'm Georgie Corridge-Cole, the founder and CEO of Sherlock's, and welcome to today's In Conversation With podcast. Today, I'm joined by Natasha Finlayson, OBE, and CEO of Working Chance. Working Chance is the UK's only employment charity solely for women with convictions. Regular listeners, viewers, readers will know that giving people with convictions who haven't always had the same opportunities as others a chance to get into employment not to offend is a cause that is really close to my heart has been for many many years and I'm really thrilled that we're now working with Working Chance they work with organizations of all sizes across all sectors to find opportunities for women that align with their skills and aspirations since 2009 Working Chance has supported thousands of women into employment and many more on their journeys towards financial independence Natasha it's amazing what you do I'm so thrilled um to be working with you we we held a workshop recently with um, a handful of women um all with previous convictions who came into office spent the day with our team and it was a great success i'm thrilled that we've had some in the back for work experience already also delighted to be joined by ade adio adiogu uh, who is 40 years of age she received a prison sentence of 18 months but was released after six months for good behaviour. She encountered Working Chance in 2016 and most recently came back to them to see if they could help her find a new role. And today she is working with a company called Social Value Portal, where she was appointed as Social Value Support Administrator in October 2021 and is thriving in the role. Welcome, Ade. Thank you. Nice to meet you. You too. Also, I'm thrilled to be joined by Bethany Mackey. Bethany is 27. She was convicted in 2014 and sentenced to five years in prison. She served two and a half years and two and a half years on licence. She was released in 2017, finished her licence supervision in 2019 and started working with Working Chance in 2021. Working Chance introduced her to a company called New Connections where she became a volunteer and has progressed to employment with New Connections, where she's a trainee addiction specialist administrator. Congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for having me. Well, well, we're really thrilled for you giving up your time. I really so believe in the role that we in society need to play to give people with convictions a second, third, fourth, however many chances it takes and hearing for people who have been through it firsthand is the most powerful way to get that message across. And here you are, two totally charming, brilliant women. <laughs> and, and if you weren't given another chance, then you know, that is why we have a re-offending rate in this country. It's a lot higher in men. I agree. That is so high. And we do have a chance to reduce that and play a role as society in reducing that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, you are proof that, you know, that there are other paths to follow, but we've got to help you. We've got to help people do that. Um, Ade, can we 
can we start by hearing a bit about your story, your journey? Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, <coughs> how you ended up in prison, you know, what the circumstances were? Yeah, just sort of set the picture and... Okay, how, where, where do I start? Quite <laughs> a long story, but we'll get there at the end. <clears throat> Basically, um, I'm, I'm one of four children. I'm the first by my mother and my dad, but they're obvious. My mom had me when she was about 16. So she was young, um, was in a very conservative family background because her father was a colonel in the army. So um, her actually being pregnant at a young age was like, whoa. No, we have to keep it. And she kind of like hid the pregnancy for quite a long time. Really? So they couldn't. She had me. I became their first grandchild. But however, they still wanted to keep it a secret. And can I just jump in and ask, mm-hmm. your heritage is Nigerian? Yes, I am. Were you born here or there? I was born in Nigeria. Right. Yes. However, my mom was born here before. Right. Relocating to Nigeria with the, the family. Okay. Um, to quote the long story short, yes, um, started off in life, you know, Knowing, thinking that my mom was basically my auntie before then I then discovered that she was my my, my mother wow. which was I think I was about five when I first heard it that no she's not your auntie she's your mom kind of wow. thing there so um I believe that um instability and um of information and stuff that can be given to someone from a very young age can either you know make you or break you let me put it that way in short words moving along we went to very good schools went to um, boarding school in Nigeria before then um, used to come here on holidays and stuff so by the time we kind of like you know my mom was like you know what I want my kids back kind of thing there and you know we went on holiday and then she said you know going back kind of like situation so we then stayed with her so then it's now a different environment a different kind of like upbringing because remember I was with my grandparents right 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 therefore I was quite sport <laughs> <laughs> That's the grandparents' prerogative is to spoil their children. Isn't yeah, it? kind of thing there. So then being with my mom and then growing up as a family, whereas my mom is a single mother. So right. even though she has three other kids, we all have different dads. So, you know. All have different dads. Yes, we wow. do. Wow. So, okay. Um, I would say it was difficult, but at the same time, not having a father figure in the, in the house because there's two girls and two boys. So um, I'm quite masculine orientated as a um, rap, um, masculine representing woman. So um, I've had to be kind of like very assertive and strong from a very young age. Right, you've had to be tough and... Yeah. Yeah. I would say me in school was five and six, but then um, at the same time, I was also a natural creative. So um, when it came to dancing and just being the life of whatever, I was always uh, like that. I can tell you would be the life of soul. <laughs> so it was like, so then I was involved in um, a lot of um, theatre study stuff. So performing arts. And so I did that from when I was like 13, 14, 15, 16. I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, school sh- school plays, theatre shows. Um, <clears throat> did Little Shop of Horrors and Captain Planet and you really? know, old school kind of Amazing. stuff like that. And is this in Nigeria still? No, this is here in the UK because we relocated with my mum. Right, so when mom your mum decided she wanted to take yeah. her children back, yes. you came here? Yes, because my um, mum was here. And do you had family here? That's just my mum and her sister. And, you know, it just, just and, us, basically. And where did you live? Um, at that time, my mum was living in Enfield. Okay. So we kind of, like, moved from Enfield... Then from Enfield, we had to move again to 
well, I think it was Hounslow, but we moved into like three different houses within the same area within that time of, you know, being young. And as I said, that's why when you don't have um, stability, it kind of like drives your direction in different ways yeah. that you might not necessarily plan to yourself. But because of that kind of like um, structure within the environment, you mm. end up kind of like being distracted. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So, um, and, and financially, um, yes. what, what's, what's, what was life like? One mother, four children. It was tough. It was tough for her, especially because she was really trying to be superwoman at all costs. You know, one thing I would say is that we never went hungry in my house. <laughs> Food was never an issue. However, you know, just like growing up, like other kids, you want to wear nice clothes, the trainers or whatever. But, you know, she can't really afford that. So that was why I started working from age 13, sort of. I was doing paper rounds, um, leaflet delivery. I would go to every takeaway shop and ask them for leaflets. So they would give that to me and I'll do that for a little £15 a week. Confused. You know, so, so with that, I wanted to be better, obviously. However, I was so desperate to sort of like fix everything that was around and stuff like that. So um, I had the opportunity to go to university as well. I did media studies when I was um, at uni as well. So I did media productions. I came out flying colours, had distinctions and all of that. It was, you know, I write screenplays and stuff like that. That was what I really, really was like, you know, ginger in form of life and stuff like that. So things happen and... And um, you have probably, I would say, I wouldn't just, you know, blame it on peer pressure. However, when you're kind of like very trustworthy and you're open to a lot of people, you attract both negative and positive. So attracting both negative and positive and being young and I had a lot of energy and a lot of like, you know, yeah, one yeah. really wanted to make it in life by yeah. all means. I ended up having the right, wrong company around me. And um, those people sort of like, I would say, I've learned more about myself because of what my conviction and what happened to me. Because it was about people trying to take over my house. And uh, like right now, I wouldn't really just try to take over my my house because I've learned that um, I'm never attached to material things anymore. Right. But, you know, having worked for um, my first flat and everything and having that kind of attachment to it and me painting and all all that I did within the place and um I helped a lady out that was like you know she needed somewhere to stay she had a her little child she was chucked out of the house and she literally was on her knees begging me and I'm not a cold-hearted person I'm a very very soft-hearted person I'm actually an opposite from my exterior so <laughs> people always say that about me they always say oh you look really scary but you're actually really nice so I know what you mean <laughs> So it was. It's just been like like that with with me. So, so you're so, you're you're finding yourself sort of surrounded by the wrong people. Yes. And can you tell us sort of what happened and um, yes, yeah, so how that some went people, wrong? You know, start off with being negative in your life. So I did was helping this lady out, but I didn't realize that she had other motives. So she ended up moving into my flat with her husband. And um, even though she told me that I should, you know, I did say to her she can stay there for more than three months or up to three months and then she can relocate uh-huh. because she told me her husband was living in Ireland. Right. But um, in three, four months, it was her husband that relocated into the house and he refused to leave. She refused to leave. They were in there for over almost two years. Oh, my God. And um, I got a little bit, I would say, frustrated. That's my turn in life. or That's why I said I don't look at things now and say, oh, yeah, materialistically or anything like that. I regret my actions because 
my freedom is the most important thing. The fact that I have the freedom to be able to evolve and excel yeah. myself and have, you know, an opportunity in life is so much greater than being put in one place, not to be able to, you know, achieve your dreams, not yeah. to be able to have time with your families, yeah. with your friends. We don't, yeah, freedom is... It's like the gift, you always say, well, you can't buy love, you can't buy freedom, you can't, yes. you know, yeah. Yes, totally agree. And um, because of that notion, um, however, even though my freedom was taken away from me, it also was able to give me freedom because not until I was able to have that experience of going into prison yeah. did I actually say to myself, you okay, realize- you know what, uh, I'm going to come out and be my authentic self. <laughs> <laughs> and quite, yeah, well, you know, these moments happen and it all becomes clear doesn't it can yeah. you tell us what did happen um yes so basically it was been it'd been over two years they had been at my house and they sent me um a message telling me that i'd sent somebody to come and rob them or something like that and which i was like huh another one at that point in time i was at uel university as well i was doing a, a course um to do linguistics and it was still to do with media so I needed to go and get some paperwork and stuff like that from the house because, you know, at that point in time, I would say God was on my side. I was I actually had another place in Haynort as well. So I was living between Haynort and Forest Gate, but I couldn't accommodate the other place because the other person was living there. So um, by the time I went over to the house, I knocked on the door, knocked and knocked and knocked. Eventually she came downstairs. I told her to open the door. She said, get the F out of my house. I realized that she'd changed the locks as well of the whole place uh-huh. and everything so i asked her why why are you doing this like what is where where is this going to i don't you know before i knew it she had struck me but at that point in time my whole i'd lost myself yeah, and yeah i yeah. retaliated and my retaliation was very far i must put it that way so um there is a consequence for every action yes okay so obviously that that ended up with you going to prison yes where did you go holloway can you tell us what that was like? It was, if I have to be tr- a truthful, it was grim, cold, and and very depressing because it was a women's prison and um, you have some people that just can't cope with that kind of pain and pressure and yeah. isolation. So you, you hear wailing every day, you hear screams every day. My notion of prison changed when I went in there. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think for many Totally different concept of what it was yeah. until I actually... <laughs> you hear people say, oh, well, they have TVs now. And you're like... They've lost their total freedom, you know, it is, yeah. And you you got out within six months. Yes, you, you were sentenced to 18 months. Yes. Or was that GBH or... Yes, it was. And, and you got out six months. So, I mean, look, I can tell what a wonderful person you are. Your energy is amazing, you know, and clearly you've, you've come out the other side and, and all the stronger and all the clearer. Yes. Um, and... and you came out and what did you do next and how hard was it to get a job did you know what you wanted to do you you then what year was it that you you went to holloway 2015 okay and it was 2016 that you you encountered yes working chance so yes. you came out and can you just talk a little bit about and do jump in as well natasha and Bethany, you're sitting there so patiently, but about the help you were given mm-hmm. when you came out or whilst you were in prison, mm-hmm. were you prepared for coming out? Were you were you given leads, advice? Because I think that's a real fundamental flaw that we have is, is preparing those leaving prison. And yes. I'm actually involved with another charity yes. that, that mission is to help prisoners before they leave. Because, leave 
you know, suddenly you're out there and you did a very short sentence, but some people are doing really long sentences. Yes. And Even then, if you had a short sentence, you're still saddled with a criminal record. Yeah. You're going to get for in the life, way like, every time yeah. you try to apply yeah. for a job. Mm-hmm. And, and the stigma within yeah. society when people know about that. So even if it's a short sentence, it's still kind of a millstone. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what was the process for you when you were released? I wasn't given any information. I was just, you know kind of like oh you're going to be released blah 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 or however because I was in there kind of like making myself active with other things anyway because I just liked to distract myself so, so what were you doing when you were inside um I was basically um helping with education I was like getting people that wouldn't usually go to education to go to education I, was I bet going. you were I can <laughs> see they were probably very sad to lose you yeah there goes our mother hair they were, they were coming to ask me for ideas of how did you get this person to do this this wasn't a hard... And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, can, I can see that's in you. That doesn't surprise me at all. So, um, yeah. So when I, when I got out, it was... For me, everything was moving so much faster than me. It was like, whoa. And it, then it felt like I, it was written on my forehead, ex-offender. <laughs> so it's like, so you're walking, you're just paranoid. You know, especially from my background being Nigerian, being that, you know, I knew people were going to look down on me, yeah. everyone that, you know, that would know Nigeria about this. Defender. Yeah. It was, it was different for me. It was very difficult. And then um, it was more difficult when I realised that everything I've worked hard for was literally not going, it's going to be useless. Mm. So me literally like, you know, I, I applied for Tiger Aspects and um, I had an internship with them. But um, after the internship, it didn't go any further than that. Mm. And working the chance have actually been amazing when it comes to like the second, the first, the fourth chance and the fifth chance, I must say. Because without working chance at that point in time, that literally um, gave me that opportunity to be able to have a little bit more confidence to go for the jobs that I didn't feel like were worth me having any longer. Yeah. You know, and so I would say even though I was out there looking for work on my own, because it still it was so difficult to get back into work. I would go to, um, I, when, when I was working with, um, from TK Maxx, I worked with Greg's, but Greg's, I can remember, I didn't have a CV, didn't have anything. I went right in there. I'm like, I want to work. And he's looking at me like, okay, you're gonna have to wait for about three hours. I'm like, okay. I waited for the whole three hours. He came out, he said, whoa, you're still here. I said, yes, I'm still here, waiting for you. And he goes, okay. I'm going to interview interview you right now. I said, okay, go on, shoot. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he asked me a few questions. And he was like, okay, come tomorrow. And that was how I just started working. And with that Greg's. was in the in a Greg's store. Yeah, in the Greg's store, and I was there. But you've also got a degree. <laughs> wow. Sometimes you have to you just have to I go know, down. I know. Look, I take my hat off to you. You obviously, you know, you've obviously come through it now, but that's also pretty depressing, isn't it? But... Can, and Georgie, can I just pick up on something? Yes. You said you said that we at Working Chance encouraged you to go for jobs that you didn't think you were worth. Yes. So, I mean, that's something we hear so much from yes. when we work with. The, it's not just society and employers being prejudiced against you. It's that your own self-worth yes. has been so knocked by what, what's happened. You know, mm-hmm. And that's such a huge issue for women with convictions is building up that confidence and that self-esteem again. I think. Yes, 100. Mm-hmm. I must say, um, particularly Julia, mm-hmm. I was working it's with... One of our colleagues yes, at Working Chance. Yes. Yeah. And um, the time she put into making sure that I actually, like, you know, 
push that CV through or make sure this is... She would call me, WhatsApp, six in the evening, past office hours, not just in within yeah. the office hours. And that kind of relationship just gave me that full chest confidence kind of thing there. Like, you know mm. what? If she believes in me, then why am I going to doubt myself or why am I not going to believe in myself? And this is it's the same for Key for Life, a charity we've worked with for a long time that, that works with young men, getting them back into employment. And, you know, they actually, they start to recruit their candidates, the young men, when they're in prison and help them to prepare mm. before they leave because it's not being done within the prisons. And, and you're not leaving thinking you're worth anything. You're thinking my only option is to go to Greg's despite the fact that you've got a degree. And, you know, thank God for organisations like Key for Life, like Inside Out, a new one that's starting to work with young men mm. and, and working chance because, as you say, you, we well, it's quite clear you had a lot more to give than Absolutely. working Greg's. Not knocking Greg's and good for them for being open to it. You start having things like um, imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Do you know, for no reason, you just... <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, we all have imposter syndrome. And I work with, with another young man called V, who you've met, who's been... He's been through 13 prisons wow. and he is a great friend of mine and a very special person in my life. And he's now doing talks at schools for underprivileged Amazing. children and privileged children, help them recognize their own privilege yeah. and to corporates. And I said to him, you just remember, I go in and I have imposter. He's like, no way, Georgie, no way. And I'm like, Yes. Just talk about the weather or someone's trainers and realise that it's all a game. We're all winging it. <laughs> and if you don't have imposter syndrome, then you've got some horrible ego, Probably I think, so that so makes you really <laughs> unlikable. So if you have those moments, you have to remember yeah, that human. we all have those moments. Yeah. Um, so you went to Working Chance. Yes. You mentioned Julia, yes. one of your colleagues that was you know, hugely instrumental in preparing you and getting you to where With you are now. social value portal. Basically, social value portal, making good go further. They talk about, well, they're all about social value. So this is the company that you're now working for, yes. social value portal. portal yes. And their mission is what? Well, their, their mission as an organization is to push social value within every organization. Okay. And social value is linked with sustainability living. Okay. So we have about giving people like me and, you know, maybe disability, whatever it is, people that have probably been ostracized in society or not been given a chance. And we want to be inclusive. Well, amen, <laughs> amen to Social Value Portal. I would like to hear more about them. Yes. That's amazing. That sounds like an amazing organization. Yeah. And you're enjoying it? I am. I'm enjoying it. There's still growth, you know. There's always like, you know, right now I'm doing a, a, a CompTIA A plus course trying to become a cybersecurity agent. But then before that time, I've oh. been doing tech administrative work. Um, and so I've learned so much more. I mean, the, what I know now, I've been there just a year plus now. Mm. And wow, I'm not the same person. I went through the f <laughs> everything. Like I said, I feel like an imposter even when I go, went there for the first time. I'm sure, yeah. Being challenged with things I hadn't done for such a long time that I'd become dormant kind of mm. thing there. And then I had to like retrain myself, redevelop myself and... Um, I think last year was just a clear sign for me that don't be afraid, face your fears, push further, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And, you know, crime and um, the past doesn't have to define you no. at all. I also think, you know, you had a, you had a tough start in life. Like, own it. You are who you are because of it and have the confidence to know that 
it's okay you it's done you did your time and and own it and be proud of where you are now I think that's I think it's amazing you're clearly an amazing woman um thank you thank you um Bethany hi you've been very patient (laughs) um can you tell us about you about your story yeah of course so um you're British I am (laughs) um I had a, a, a good upbringing so I have a younger sister who's now given birth to my little nephew. Oh, I absolutely adore Being an aunt is the best job, isn't it? Oh my word, she's it? pregnant again. So I'm going <laughs> to be an auntie for a second time. I'm so, so happy. So I, I had a good upbringing. Um, just sort of normal, if that makes sense. I went to school, had like good friends. Uh, I got into trouble, but not so much, if that makes sense. So like one of, one of my really, really close friends now, um, I used to get in trouble with her, so my mum used to absolutely hate her. I, <laughs> I tried smoking when I was like 14, and my mum used to ground me like all the time. And then I used to go out late um, with my friend, and then she obviously always used to get caught, and then I used to get grounded for that. So it wasn't like I was really, really naughty, but just like I pushed the boundaries like a little bit. Um, so I left school... And I sort of went straight into working. I think when I was younger, I was very, not money orientated, but I used to work like five different jobs. So I used to like child mind for my next one neighbor. I used to pick him up from school, uh, cook him dinner, do his homework. And then obviously the mum would come home and then I'll go home. Uh, I used to work in a nursery school a couple of days a week. I was doing my apprenticeship for that, my level two. Uh, I used to work in a cafe for my upstairs neighbours. I used to do washing up for them. <laughs> uh, I used to work in a bar at the Indian restaurant on a Friday and Saturday evening. When did you find the time to be rebellious? <laughs> you were working. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how I do it now. Like, at the moment, I've only got two jobs. Uh, and only two? Only two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding that as, as a struggle. And I just think when I was younger, I don't know how I did five. Mm. And I still had time to see my friends. Wow. I don't know how I did it, but um, that was me. And then obviously, when I became 18, a lot of my friends, we used to socialise by going to like pubs and stuff like that. Um, and then unfortunately, I, I was 18, it was like two months after my birthday. Um, I went out with my friends to just a local area. We went to like the pub and stuff like that. Uh, Can I, I ask what the area was? Yeah, yeah, so it's in Kent. It's by okay. Canterbury. Okay. Um, yeah, and I've gone out with my friends for the evening and I'd walked down to the pub and unfortunately, um, like throughout the evening, one of my friends just became stuck. He lived in Whitstable. And because it was like quite late in the evening, there was no taxis or anything, no buses or trains. And uh, on the way home, stupidly, he kept sort of asking for a lift, for a lift. And um, I got outside my house and I sort of, I'm that person that, I sort of have like a need to please people and I really struggle sometimes to say no and unfortunately that evening I struggled to say no and I got in the car, it was like half past two in the morning uh, and I went along the old Thanet Way which is like quite, it's like 60 miles an hour and unfortunately I just I just didn't see, obviously I would have had a little bit too much to drink. Uh, I hit a cyclist and um, he passed away so... Yeah, from that, obviously, I then was sentenced to five years, five years in prison. That's tough. Yeah, so I was quite young. It's a difficult story all round, isn't it? That's tough. Yeah, I can see you're an incredibly warm, gentle individual, and I've definitely, I watched that, do you remember that? 
show about the guy that went to prison. Do you see it with Sean Bean? No, yeah. I haven't seen it. It's quite a hard watch. Oh. And he he had one too many and the same thing happened. Mm. And I remember lots of friends of mine watching it saying, that was such a wake-up call. Mm. And most people probably have got in a car. I, actually, that was it's, a real... It's relatable to yeah, It is yeah. relatable. It is. That doesn't make it okay. It exactly. Mean, but it is yeah. relatable. And mm. I really feel for you. Um, you got five years. Yeah, so... Um... I think because where my area is quite a small area, um, it was really publicised in the newspapers. Um, and you were 18? Just turned 18. Um, so obviously every time that I sort of went to court, uh, there was a lot of press. Um, and then there was a lot of press um, that sort of, they took stuff off my Facebook and then pops it into the papers as well, which obviously my mum wasn't too impressed about that. She had a massive go at some of the newspapers for that. But, I mean, my mum was amazing. She um, she turned around and said, you know, like, Beth, it's going to be like waves. Uh, it'd be, like, really, really high in the newspapers, and then obviously it'd die down for a little bit, and then when you got another court sort of hearing it, it'd go back up again, and then, you know, it'd go back down. But obviously I was on bail for a year, just, just under a year. Um, and then my... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Final court date was just before Christmas. I think it was like the 20th of December, obviously, which was the one I had to take my bag to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it was tough, but obviously. And that you say you take your bag to because that's one when they'll, that, that's it, that's goodbye. Back, yeah, yeah. You served two and a half years, two and a half years on licence. Did you get support mentally? I mean, look, somebody died, you were 18. How many 18-year-olds get in the car? You know, I, I, I really feel for you. I really feel for you, and that's a huge thing to go through. Did you get support in prison um, for that? I mean, on the lead-up, I sort of did. Um, I went to counselling, which I found was quite useful, because I've always felt like it's nicer to just like blurt out loads of stuff at a random person rather yeah. than having yeah. a chat with like your mum or something. Like It's amazing. Like, I would have a chat with my mum. But it's so much easier just to... Absolutely. Was the counselling before prison? Yeah, it was just before. Yeah. I think I used to go like... Because um, obviously it was just through the doctors. It wasn't as often. as right. probably what I would have liked. Mm. But, but in prison, did you get any kind of support like that? Because um, it's pretty patchy, I think. No, to be honest support. with you, I, I, I didn't get anything. Mm. Um, 
but I must admit the first night because I think where I was so you just don't you don't know what to expect whilst you're on bail and I had loads of people telling me all these different sort of sentences that I'm going to get that the first night I actually got sentenced and then I went to prison I probably had the best night's sleep just because I knew what I had and then I was like right okay this is what I've got to do we've just got to do it yeah and how did you where did you go Uh, so I went to Bronzeville and how did you cope there you seem you seem Addy, I can see you were running the show and they were like, this woman is <laughs> here to bring her energy. And, you know, I can see you're very different characters, both really warm. I always say on my, gra- on my gravestone is going to say she only liked warm women. So I, I say that you are both very warm women. You're very different characters. How did you cope um, inside? How was it for you? Well, I sort of had to to start off with, I took it sort of like one day at a time. Um, the first sort of opportunity, well, it was a bit different because obviously where I went in by by Christmas or like um, getting enrolled into the gym or employment or speaking to anyone or getting like phone credit on, I couldn't do any of that until after Christmas because obviously nothing was running, mm-hmm. um, which was a little bit difficult. But I don't, I don't know, I just sort of... There was a few people on my wing that sort of like really looked after me. Did they? Yeah, for the first couple of weeks until I moved. And then after that, I just sort of indulged in getting a job. I went to the gym. Uh, I used to smoke, so I stopped smoking. Just I just sort of gave myself so much to do yeah. that the days just went by really quickly. Is it worth you explaining the sorts of employment you can have inside prison? Because yeah, a lot of people of don't course. Uh, I mean, there's thing. there's a lot of like educational sort of things that you can do. I mean, for myself, I was an induction worker, so I was one of those people that when you you're new and you come into prison, you come and see me and like, a couple of other women, and we just sort of like say, okay, this is what you do here. This is like. I'd want to come and see you if I came in, <laughs> either of you. <laughs> it was nice, because obviously I think where I had quite a long time, it was a good role to have. Um, and you sort of go all around the prison and see like different women and everything. Uh, What's was, the population? I'm that? not actually entirely too sure. There was four house blocks, but then there was also, uh, a mother and baby unit as well. Right. But if you think it's roughly around 4,000 women in prison across yeah. England, mm-hmm. uh, through, across nine prisons, so gives you some sense. Yes. Bromsville's quite a big one, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there was four house blocks, and then obviously you had the mother and baby unit, which I'm not too sure how many people it housed, but there was quite a few on that house block as mm-hmm. well. And were you um, allowed, were there employment opportunities for you to go out and work during the day? No, no, no. So uh, Bromsville is just literally, you stay in the prison. So you can work in the prison. Yeah. Um, but you can't go out or anything. It's not an open prison. And you had your family come visit? Yes. So um, obviously my mum, she lives quite far away, same as my sister. Um, but they used to drive up. It was like every single week. And I now appreciate because that drive is quite a long drive. <laughs> um, yeah, before, I never, you never really think. You just think, oh, okay, I'll put my mum to come and see me. Uh, so I had a lot of support from mum. Um, obviously a lot of my family yeah and you you got through it and you came out after two and a half years and then you were on license uh what preparation did you have towards the end of your stint in prison to prepare you for release okay um well whilst I was at Brunsfield obviously I was there for 
the longest period because I went to East Sutton Park afterwards, which is an open prison where you can start going out right. and working and whatnot. Uh, so Bronzefield, I did like an open university course. Um, I really got into the gym, so I did a couple of courses in the gym, like level two and level one gym and fitness. I did, yeah, I did that, and then obviously when I moved to East Sutton Park, I did another sort of open uni course. And what was that? Uh, in people work and society. So I did that one. I did like some of the basic stuff, like how uh, you do functional skills in maths and English uh, and IT. And then it came to a point where they could they offer you rotals where you can go out and work. Yeah. So that's release on temporary license. Yeah, isn't it? that's that's yeah. just for the day though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't want to go out and work, so um, I decided I wanted to go to university. Um, and after I sort of had to keep on it um, quite a bit. I said like, no, this is what I want to do. I don't want to go and work outside. I want to actually go out and do like a foundation year. And um, I managed to go to Canterbury Christchurch University and gain um, a place as an undergrad during a foundation year for the last sort of year whilst I was at East Sutton Park. And you went out to go to the... Yeah. Good on you. I know, I couldn't believe that I actually got it. Did you tell your fellow students that you were in prison? Yeah, so two of them. I mean, it only... It didn't really come up. Mm. But, um, I mean, if, if they would have opened and asked, not... Not no, I would have told them, but there was never sort of a right time to tell them until obviously I think later down there was one girl I got really close with, so obviously I told her because she kept asking me to go out, and I was like, I can't, I can't go out, <laughs> I have to go back. <laughs> um, yeah, but she knew. Um, I mean, I've still really good friends with her as well, oh. um, and a few other people knew as well. And so you did your foundation year, yeah, and you left. You were released. Yeah. How was that? Did you find that hard? Do you know what I I found? So whilst I was in prison, I kept counting down the days until I came home. And for probably the first month, I kept counting how many days I'd been out, which Mm. was really, really strange. Yeah. I mean, it it was weird coming home and just being at home with everyone, with everyone. But, I mean, after a while, it, it was okay. But it was just, yeah, it just took some, like, adjusting. Yeah. And I was in the room for two weeks. <laughs> in a room? Yeah. I didn't come out of the room when I got out, when I got home. It was just that mental thing of the room, that space that you're locked in all the time. Mm-hmm. So I would, for two weeks, it was like that. And they got worried, but then I came out of it. So oh, understand. Gosh, yeah. Very hard. Very hard. Um, so you then did a master's degree? I did. So. And what was that in? <laughs> so my undergrad was in criminology and psychology. Oh, I always wanted to do criminology. It was really, really I went to university there where I couldn't do it. So, uh, it was, so in the old days, you could only do it at a couple of universities. And they weren't where, yeah. And the master's was in? Yeah, that was in criminology as well. Amazing. So uh, we went into lockdown and I just literally graduated. So I had my graduation party in my garden. Oh, <laughs> my mum bought me like a hat and everything. She made a little scroll. It's really sweet. Good for you. Um, and then it was just sort of like a spur of the moment. I just thought, Do you know what? I've got probably don't know how much time on my hands. Uh, I'm not working because obviously everyone's in lockdown. So I thought I'm going to apply, and I got in. So I was really really happy about that. So my undergrad was at Christchurch, but then I did my masters at Essex. Okay. And then what brought you to Working Chance? Well, 
I was working, I was working probably after a month of coming out of prison. Um, but there were just like, you know, little jobs, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, I went back to work for the Indian restaurant on the weekends. <laughs> you needed five jobs again, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> sort of juggled a couple of jobs. So I had a summer job uh, and then most recently I worked at Weatherspoons. Still am there until May. Um, but I wanted to find a proper, proper career. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's going to be really, really hard with obviously the stigma because obviously my conviction will never be spent. Never? No, because it, obviously where it was over four years, I have to legally declare it for the rest of my life. Um, so I mean, like at the moment I'm looking at rental properties and I have to put it on there. So obviously loads of people are turning me down. <laughs> so <laughs> few people realise that you have to declare your conviction in so many different situations. Like, yeah. You know, kind of legal things, applying for mortgages. I never thought that. Let alone employment. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I was with my partner the other day and I never thought, uh, we got like the application form for um, a lovely property in Seven Oaks, uh, and unfortunately on the application it said, do you have any convictions? Mm. And I have to declare it. We didn't get the property. That's why we have to change society's view of those mm. with previous convictions mm. and really work hard mm. to give people chances or mm. or what it, what's the alternative mm. for them. I, I mm. so believe that. You have, however, ended up now sort of beginning your career no. in full. When, You're a trainee. When did you hook up with Working Chance? So it would have... The first time was just as I finished my undergrad, so that would have been in 2019. Mm. But obviously, because we went into lockdown, um, we stopped yeah. contact just purely mm. because obviously there was nothing that we could do. Um, so then I didn't pick up with you guys until 2021. And so how did you find out about them? I think it was through someone that I knew in prison had put me forward to them. Mm. Great. I think it was quite a while ago. And how quickly did you find a role through Working Chance? A few months, maybe a couple of months. So you went to Working Chance, and you said it was a few months to find a role. So sort of maybe a couple of months, something like that. I would say yeah. so. There was a couple of roles. Um, well, originally I, I got in contact with New Connections, but obviously it was just voluntary. Mm-hmm. So whilst I was working voluntary with them, I was still looking for other employment because mm. as as it went, it was just a voluntary role. Um, and had we connected you with New Connections? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Alex yeah. put me forward to New Connections. Alex and literally, is one of our employment advisors. She yeah. was yeah, absolutely amazing. And it was the same day that she emailed them that I got a phone call of Chris, who's the director of New Connections. Which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was in time for yeah, so you, the same day. So you went volunteer to now full employee. Yeah, specialist administrator, and you're enjoying it. I absolutely love it. Um, it was around Christmas time that they kept speaking that they wanted to obviously employ me full time. But you know when it's like that they were thinking about it that they have to create like make sure that they've got enough funding and everything to yeah. give me a position so yeah. I, I just took it sort of on the chin I was like oh, okay if it happens it happens and then obviously they kept speaking about it more yeah. and I was like oh okay this is actually going to happen and then as of February I started part-time 
Um, and then as of May, I go full-time. Exactly. And then you can stop working at Wellesley's. Yes. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> and what does New Connections do? Uh, so we work with IPP and Life Sentences, which are, IPP is an imprisonment for public protection. It's a, a sentence that is was given quite a long time ago, which basically you're given this sentence, but then you're on licence for the rest of your life and you have right. to sit before a parole board mm. before so you can be allowed out. the most serious crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you say that this, this is a thing. So there's some people that only get sentenced to like three years, but yet they sit in prison for 14 mm-hmm. just because they can't access the right um, programmes and everything that they require them to do. And it's been abolished now, hasn't it? So, it has. And, and there are some, still some people kind of languishing in prison who don't have... Oh, honestly, states. there's yeah. there's loads. I mean, primarily what, what we do is, so I'll go into lots of different prisons all over the country. We sit down with the clients and we just discuss, obviously their conviction um what they've done since they've been inside and obviously what they want to do when they get out like accommodation and everything like that mm. um and then obviously i'll go back i'll go through something which is called a dossier which is sort of reports on that client just loads and loads of like psychological reports oasis uh, and then i take lots of like um notes from that and then i write a report and give that to the judge and then they take that on their parole board Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, so that's a really key role that you're doing. Really responsible yeah. job, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. What, a, what an amazing role. And you said there's IPP and also... Lifers. So how do you work with lifers? Uh, so it's the same process that we do because um, both IPP and lifers have to sit before a parole board. So this is life with release, mm-hmm. yeah. a life sentence, right? But un- unfortunately, they will, they will always be on licence for the rest of their Absolutely, lives. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. God, what, a, what an incredible role you're doing congratulations i feel (laughs) deeply for you i know you're not the only person i know who's been down that path and it's it's a tough one for all parties but Um, she's thriving now but you are thriving and yeah that's great to see and you know thank god for working chance the work you do is just so important you know the idea that you with your degree and your warm character your degrees plural and your warm characters you know you clearly have so much to give the idea that you know employment is so difficult is just the the fact that employment is so difficult is is such a shame Mm. working chance are here doing amazing work so that that there are opportunities we shouldn't have to exist should we well (laughs) ideally ideally not i mean can you tell us the charity how long has it been going for since 2009 yeah. Since 2009, its mission is to put... To, to support women, support women. Um, with convictions into employment. And really, for us, it's about seeing them flourish, just like Addy and, and Bethany are. So it's not just about kind of ticking boxes and saying, oh, yes, you know, we'll get you a job cleaning loos at KFC. No disrespect to people who clean loos at KFC, but it's... it's saying, Huge respect to people yeah, who clean exactly, loos yeah, at KFC. Exactly. No, absolutely. But, you know, it's saying, what do you really want to do? What are you good at? Part of what we do is we offer them careers coaching. Yeah. Um, to really kind of reframe them and think about, you know, what did I want to do when I was a little girl? What were my dreams? You know, what are my aspirations? Because for a lot of people, it's knocked out of them. Oh, yeah, you, absolutely. You, you suddenly, you know, back to that imposter, back mm-hmm. to that. That's it, that's it. And, the way you're treated in prison, et cetera, et cetera. And for some of the women that we work with, not all, but for quite a lot of them, it's been knocked out of them way before they, they get a conviction. So going right back to childhood. Absolutely. And can we talk on that? Because, you know, regular listeners will have heard some of the, some of the 
content broadcasting show etc that that I've done we've done over the years with Key for Life talking about young men women with convictions and men with convictions it's quite a different Mm. story it's quite a different picture Mm. not always but a lot of the time Mm. um can you talk to us a little bit about you know why women mm. tend to end up with convictions the reoffending rate is obviously a lot lower it, it can often be you know mm. abuse can't it? it can be addiction mm. it can exactly. be coercion it can be but but exactly. can you just talk to us a little yeah. bit about it's a much smaller prison population mm. um but just for people listening can you give them a bit of a how does it differ? yeah yeah um, i think one thing that, that is common across men and women who have convictions and particularly who go to prison is poverty so there's a much higher likelihood that they're going to come from a, a sort of impoverished, really challenging, disadvantaged background. Um, specifically for women who have convictions, and particularly, again, for those who go to prison, there's a high likelihood of childhood trauma. So we're talking, you know, to be plain, we're talking about abuse and neglect, yeah. violence within the family, dysfunctional, uh, sort of chaotic families. Um, so these troubles are kind of the difficulty for them is starting right from childhood, kind of lack of self-esteem, lack of self-worth um, because of what they've experienced. And, you know, there's an understanding in society now, I think, about the effects of childhood abuse and the, the sort of legacy of mental ill health that that, that leaves you. No, with. it's your nature. It's, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So, you know, and I don't want to generalise. This is not every woman who has a conviction no. by any means. But, mm-hmm. but it gives you, you, a, if you look it at, gives you an idea. Exactly. It? Women in prison, it's 60% of women in prison report having experienced specifically sexual abuse as children. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a, a crime that is significantly underreported and underdisclosed. So you can start to see a correlation there between people who've you know, been treated very poorly as children and then have often gone on to experience domestic violence as teenagers and as adults um, who are liable to being coerced by kind of very controlling men, by people around them, or who are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, abusing drugs or have issues with alcohol, with mental ill health generally. And you can see then some of the journeys that lead them into what we call criminalisation into into kind of slipping into the criminal justice system and getting caught up in that. Um, but often, they're, you know, they're, these women are victims just as much as they're offenders, and you kind of have to sort of see them both ways and understand quite, those paths. Quite, quite. And look, you, you work with women. They, you have a couple of hundred women a year um, mm. that you get mm. into employment. Mm. It's amazing. Uh, and you've had great success from, from what I know with yeah. that. Yeah. You work with the women on their confidence Absolutely. I've seen that. I've met some of your team. Yeah. I've met some, a couple more women today. But as mm. I said, we had this workshop, and it's 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 about you know realizing that they're massively valuable, that they've got yeah. skills. It's kind of a mindset thing. It's about a lot of it is about how they see themselves in order to get them to aspire and think about what are their strengths, what are their assets, what do they really want to do, you know, and to encourage them to see that there are more doors open than they thought. Exactly like Addy was saying earlier. Um, and you know, and also we offer them therapy, completely free therapy, which I think is amazing because you know they couldn't access that otherwise. Absolutely. So it's about kind of putting the pieces of, of them and their lives back together, uh, and then starting to look at the employers that we work with. So we've got you know over a hundred employers, all sorts of different. And can you give us a few? I mean, and that is yeah. really amazing. I mean, from from what I know, you're really thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously want more employers. So if you're sure. listening and you and you feel like you know, you get this mission and the importance mm. of it, then I would urge you to get in touch with Working Chance. It's, it's a whole host of, of different businesses. Oh, goodness, um, yeah. I mean, we've had 
we've had a couple of women in um, recently. Yeah. We're hoping that one will will come back and learn more. Yeah, in terms, which is fantastic. you know, if if we can do it, we we have male ex offenders who work with us as well. You know, mm. we are sixty women and a few men. You know, mm. if we can do it. Anyone, Anyone can, can do it. And they should, you know, uh, it's part of diversity and inclusion, oh, which companies yes. get these days. They get it in terms of race or gender or sexuality. But, you know, what about people who've, who've got convictions? They deserve a second chance. Yeah, you know? it, it's about, you know, people who are marginalised, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. and, and it's what That's you're it. doing, Ali. It's, you know, all those people who, mm-hmm. your computer says no. <laughs> yep. and, and I guess <laughs> what working chance is allowing is for, for you to connect the people that do want to work with the businesses that understand it and yes. allowing that to be something that's owned and yes. recognized mm-hmm. and dealt with um, because it's pretty hard to go out there on your own and try and get employment. Um, can you give us a sort of a handful of businesses that you're working with across different sectors just for people listening yeah. have an idea? Yeah. I mean, Shedox is one of them. I mean, Absolutely, you... yeah. Um, we just brought on board IKEA just in the last week. Amazing. It's taken us months of discussions about how that's all going to work. We're thrilled to have them on board. Thames Water is one of our partners. Um, they've taken um, women and you know kind of supported them into really great roles. Hearst Publishing, it's a really big magazine publishing yeah, company. Yeah, really working with Hearst. Um, yeah, I mean, just all sorts of different types of companies, you know, yeah. across all sorts of different sectors. And that's so important because then it gives the women choice. Yeah. It's not just saying, do you want to work in retail? Do you want to yeah. work in hospitality? Because I know there are labour shortages there, but actually not that many women we work with want to work in those sectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they want it like, you know, Addie's doing this amazing job at Social Value, yeah. value Portal, yeah. you know. But I think also what's important is... is I believe that the, the candidates are happy to work. You know, for us, we've had a couple of, of your candidates in. Mm. And, you know, it's about getting to know them. Hopefully they will build in confidence. They will do more and more. Mm. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a realisation that you've got to get to know each other and it, yeah. and it can... Well, the employer's got to see them as a person. Yeah, yeah. but it's, made, it's starting yeah. that. So I'd really yeah. say to people, you know, even if you think that, oh, a woman with a conviction who hasn't, you know, completed her... Further, you know, you don't. They don't. Women are not coming in, saying, I, "I've got to start at this." And I'm, you know, mm. you can build up. You can get to know each other. Yeah. You can work on a on a sort of part time basis and build what, up. What the role is, doesn't yeah. it? That the company has available. What yes. what kind of level of skill and qualifications? Because people who have convictions are all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Sure, with women, there is this preponderance of kind of backgrounds of trauma and poverty, mm-hmm. but it can be anyone. We, yes. We've got plenty of clients who've got master's degrees, yeah. uh, like these two, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, and how does it work for businesses? If people are listening and they're like, right, I get it, and they've heard your stories and they can see what you've got to offer, what should they yeah. do? I mean, look, you're a charity, you want donations, pledges. You, you made a brilliant point to me, actually, which is that, you know, if you're a business that you know, there are certain certain industries, finance, I think one of them where, you know, it doesn't always They're work. risk averse. Yeah. yeah, or children or whatever. Yeah. You know, there are certain sectors, I believe, that are sort of trickier than that others. Would be, they've been very cautious around specific crimes. So financial crimes, financial companies, it's not a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, you know, if your offence was to do with violence, that's going to be problematic. And, you know, as you say, kind of working maybe yeah. in childcare, that's sort of working in education. But that's okay because, you know, we can look at what the offence is, look at the sort of level of checks the dbs checks that need to be done and then kind of steer the women towards the companies and the roles 
uh, that are going to be open to them. Yes, Absolutely. There is always going to be something for everybody. But I think it, if you're an organisation listening to here, I want to do something, mm. you know, you can pledge. You can say, right, my salary bill is this much a month and I'm going to pledge yeah, this absolutely. month to a charity yeah. that allows yeah. working chance to thrive and do the work that they do. You know, exactly. there's a lot of fundraising going on for amazing causes. You know, I really believe as a business that fundraisers and, and is behind working with ex-offenders and getting them to employment. Mm. You know, as a business, we've had such an amazing response mm-hmm. from our staff mm. for being involved in this cause because, you know, you would assume 60 women and we work with a breast cancer charity now. Mm. There are gazillions of female businesses working, raising money for breast cancer. It's hugely yeah. important. Yeah. But I also think there are, and we also do stuff with a cancer charity, but I do think there are some other charities that, really need help that don't get as much of our time mm. there's very little money government money going into reoffending, going into prison systems exactly. improving improving the standards so that you are prepared better when you come out mm. so that you get mm. you know more opportunities when you're there so i, I just would really urge people to think about where they're sort of charitable absolutely budgets are going yeah. it cuts down crime it cuts down it, crime. everyone wins cuts everyone down. everyone <laughs> benefits yeah, from, so from it the community so benefits yeah. from it yeah. Absolutely. And employment is, is the key driver way. in reducing reoffending. Yes. All the research shows that. So it makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. Make sense for the for the individual, keep society safe and it's great for business. Yeah. Yes. I mean key for life. The the average reoffending rate for young men is around seventy percent. Mm. When they go through the key for life programme, mm. that falls to below twenty percent. Mm. Yeah. You think what it costs the taxpayer. And that's that's on, that's before your heart is yeah. even in this. You know, that's just on a really exactly reoffending costs the state eighteen billion pounds a year. I you know, imagine. yeah, there are a lot it's of businesses <laughs> and people saying, "Do the time, do the crime." Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not helping on the other side, and that, that's one of the reasons we mm. are having this conversation exactly. today. For people, businesses mm. listening, mm. what do they do if they want to get involved? Really, really simple. Just go to our website. Just Google Working Chance. We'll come up. Um, have a look at the website it is free to work with us to um, you know to, to have people for your vacancies uh, you can easily see on the website where to go and, and you know, there's a little kind of form to fill in and somebody will get back to you really really quickly to start that conversation with your business about how it all works um, and then as you say you know donations are always welcome what we what we do with employers is free that service is free but if people want to make donations or get involved in kind of staff fundraising that kind of thing we would love to hear from them and again it's really clear on the website how you get in touch we'd love to hear from people amazing i love it too if they did thank you ladies so so oh, much thank you, thank you. Us. Well, thank it's you. just been great to have an opportunity to talk about these issues yes. mm. yeah. well you're very generous to share your stories so candidly and i'm thrilled that you're thriving and uh, natasha thank you the work you do is Pleasure. amazing that's thank it for today if you enjoyed that if you found that useful if you think there are others that will please do share it with them leave us a comment and we'll be back soon thanks very much bye-bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.